You are listening to a special edition of the Hope of Israel Baptist Broadcast. Our radio host, Dr. K. Daniel Freed, is preaching a series of messages entitled Feast Days of the Nation of Israel. It is our prayer that these live recordings will be a blessing and an encouragement to you, our radio listeners. I'd like you to turn your Holy Ghost Authorized Bible, commonly known as the King James Bible. If you have a Bible, uh, if you don't, then, then please listen. All right, Leviticus chapter 23. We've been preaching on the feast days. We're going to be reading there at verse 15. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall ye number fifty days. That's where we get the word Pentecost. It means fifty. And ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. And uh, the Bible says they are the first fruits unto the Lord. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one young bullock, and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord, with their meat offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Then ye shall sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord. With the two lambs, they shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And he shall proclaim on that selfsame day that it may be in holy convocation unto you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. Heavenly Father, thank you for the reading of thy word. Bless it to our hearts. Open our, our minds to illuminate them to the truths of the word of God and to the blessings of these prophetic feast days. And we're thankful now for what you've done for us. Thank you most importantly for our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. We exalt him, his name above every name. And now we exalt his word above his very name. And we'll praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just to quickly review there, for those that weren't able to be here, we have seven major feasts. There's actually uh, eight feasts. There is a mysterious feast day that, the good Lord willing, tonight I'll mention the mysterious feast. It's not mentioned here in this chapter, but it makes up number eight. And the first one we looked at was the Lord's Passover. That speaks of Calvary and how it does. Jesus Christ is the sacrificial Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, I hope that you're saved. Uh, I hope you are. If you're not born again, it would break my heart. If you walk out these doors lost, a lost person, if you're not sure you're born again, if you're not sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, if you're not sure of eternal life, would you please make sure? Would you please make sure? So we uh, then we talked about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which kind of coincides with Passover. When you get to New Testament era, they're synonymous. They really are. But after Calvary, that's salvation, all right? Salvation is Calvary. But after that, those of us who receive our 
Savior as the Lamb of God, our Savior, our God, our Deliverer, our Redeemer, then we ought to be living a life of separation. And that's what the Feast of Unleavened Bread was all about. I cannot go over all of that. Then we talked about the Feast of First Fruits. Now, the first three feasts, Passover, Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits, they all happen in the first month. First Fruits speaks of the resurrection. The first resurrection, as Revelation tells us, it, and, and it's alluding to this here, is kind of a farming uh, analogy. And if you're a farmer, you know that you have first fruits, then you have the harvest, and then you have the gleanings. Well, Christ is the first fruits. Amen. He's the first one that ever rose from the dead with a glorified body. No one has ever done that before him, and no one has ever done it after him. And the next time we have such an event where there are those that are dead in Christ shall rise, they will have glorified bodies. That is what we commonly known as the rapture. According to the Bible, there's two phraseologies of what that means. One is caught up, give me an amen. And in Acts chapter 1 is taken up. And then actually there's another analogy in the book of Revelation, and it is come up hither. <laughs> and I don't know if I ever preach on this, but I preach on the eight churches of the book of Revelation. You say, well, Brother Fried, it says seven. Y'all know there are seven mentioned, but there's eight churches. And I want to tell you one thing. I'm not part of the seventh church. <laughs> I'm not part of the Odyssean church. Give me an amen. No! Revelation 4 says, come up hither! I'm part of the come up hither church. And so are you if you're born again. Ah, born again church. So, Christ is the first fruits. You are listening to a series of messages preached by Dr. Freed entitled Feast Days of Israel. If you would like to have a copy of this series in its entirety, you may call us at 844-644-4426. And now, here is the remainder of today's broadcast. And then we read there from verses 15 to 21. Now, Pentecost, I alluded to uh, a little bit yesterday. I'll talk a little bit about it, kind of move on. Hopefully, I can get into the Feast of Trumpets before the end of this time. I want to draw our attention to Leviticus chapter 23 and verse uh, 17. First of all, when you think about Pentecost, the first thing you think about is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, everybody knows that knows about the Bible, knows that water doesn't save you. Give me an amen. How do I know water doesn't save you? Because even in Jeremiah, it talks about nitre. Nitre is some really strong soap. And if nitre can't cleanse your sins away, water can't cleanse your sins away, right? In fact, if you took a bucket of blood and you scrubbed yourself, <laughs> you couldn't cleanse your sins away either, right? That we understand this is, this is typology. Water is typology. The cup that we take at the Lord's table, the cup that they took at Passover, it's all typology. It's all symbolic. There is a physical and then there's a spiritual. But what washes away our sins is the blood of Jesus. I've never seen the blood of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus is still around, right? The blood of Jesus is used by the Holy Ghost. I know we're Baptists, but we do believe in sprinkling. <laughs> Woo! You say, how come you're not smiling? Come on, what's wrong with sprinkling? There's nothing wrong with sprinkling in the Bible. Uh, Moses took the hyssop, and he, what did he do? He sprinkled the book, and he sprinkled the people. Amen? 
You know what sprinkling means in the Bible? It means tag your it. You know what baptism means in the Bible? It means you're fully cleansed. Why? Because you get fully wet. It symbolizes that the blood cleanses you fully. Right. But sprinkling is the typology of the Holy Ghost taking that blood and applying it to you. All right? And that's what it means. Sprinkling means application, and baptism means washing. So therefore, we see that some of the Protestant denominations and the Catholics, they believed in sprinkling because they believed tag you're it. But they forgot about the baptism. And I'll tell you why I believe they forgot about the baptism. I believe they didn't forget about the baptism. I believe what it was, they didn't like Baptists. And they didn't like Baptists because they killed us. And I don't think they had anything to do with baptism because they didn't want to have anything to do with Baptists. Why is that? Because Baptists have always taught from the Bible, that's what makes us Baptists, that you get baptized by water after you get saved. Now, unless you're from the Church of Christ, they believe that unless you get baptized, your sins are not washed away. Now, I I just want to throw this in real quickly about the baptism. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Israel, there's baptismal pools all over the place. They can be traced all the way down to the time of Solomon and the pools of Solomon. They're everywhere. And um, baptism means the fully wet. And, And the fact of the matter is that all throughout Jewish history, even during Bible history, Jewish people, whenever they wanted to get right with God, they always made a confession while they were being baptized. They didn't do it before baptism. They did it while they were being baptized. You understand now what's happening? So when the, by the time John the Baptist comes on the scene, the Jews already know what to do. They're waiting to be baptized by John the Baptist, who is preaching the baptism unto repentance. And the Jews understand that they will not make their profession or their confession of faith until they get baptized. So that's why there's some confusion about the language in the book of Acts about the baptism. Now, when we get to Acts chapter 8 and the proselyte Jew, the Ethiopian Jew, is on his way to Jerusalem for the worship of God, Philip is, uh, you know, he's running uh, 20 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour. He gets on the chariot, and he, and he asks him so many words, you know, what are you reading? And he talks about referring to Isaiah chapter 53. The Bible says that Philip the evangelist preached to Ethiopian eunuch, preached to him, Jesus. <laughs> and then for the first time in his life, the Ethiopian eunuch now understands that Isaiah 53 is not talking about Isaiah, it's not talking about Israel, it's not talking about the sufferings of the, of the Jews, it's talking about the Messiah. He gets so excited about this truth that he wants to get baptized like right away, not wasting any time. He said, what does it mean to be baptized? Well, nothing except, sir, if you believe. <laughs> Are you understanding now? And there's no doubt in my mind that while Philip is baptizing this Ethiopian eunuch, he is professing Christ. And why, why we do that when we baptize somebody, don't we? We usually do. Uh, son, uh, uh, have you accepted Christ? And, and they make a profession, though it, it is uh, emblematic of what they did before, but there's still a symbolic in it. But the good pastor would make sure that 
they understood about salvation. They received Christ before they get into the baptismal waters, right? It's not the baptismal waters that saves anybody. If that was true, if that was true, then Jesus died in vain. Let me tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, without shedding of blood, it's very clear, without shedding of blood, not water, but without shedding of blood is no remission. You have been listening to the Hope of Israel Baptist broadcast with Dr. K. Daniel Freed. And we pray that today's program has been an encouragement to you. If it has, please contact us and let us know you're listening. If you are of Jewish descent and would like to know more about the new covenant prophesied in the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, or maybe you're curious as to why true Bible-believing Christians have always supported Israel, please contact us. As a token of our love and appreciation, we would like to give you a beautifully bound Hebrew-English new covenant referred to as the New Testament. This Prophecy Edition Bible will be a great addition to your library and it will help you understand why those who believe in Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus Christ, have always loved, supported, and prayed for Israel. Now if you're writing to let us know you're listening or if you're requesting one of these beautiful Hebrew-English New Covenants, you may do so by going to our website, www.hopeofisrael.net. 